excited for Easter. Last, the last couple weeks, I've been away. Some of you know that. Jessica and I, we celebrated our 15-year anniversary, which is pretty exciting, yes. And, you know, and before that, Jessica had taken the kids for Easter break, or it wasn't really Easter break, but uh, spring break. She had taken the kids on a trip to uh, Toronto, and so she had been away, and then we were away a couple weeks in the Caribbean. I'll just rub it in a little bit. It was glorious, but we were thinking about you as we were laying out in the sun. <laughs> I did. I promised to God. I did pray for you, and, uh, and I know that uh, not only Pastor Mark, doesn't he do a great job preaching a couple weeks ago? And then Kevin Prins, uh, just a great missionary friend. He's based out of Grand Rapids, uh, working in Trinidad, uh, Tobago, and just doing an awesome job. And if you miss those weeks like I did, they will be online if they're not already. I think they are, but uh, we will be making sure of that. And uh, listen to those because they'll challenge your, your heart and, uh, and it's important. But I was thinking about trips that we take. And uh, did anybody take a trip this season, like in the last three months? Anybody go anywhere? Rich, where'd you go? Oklahoma. Where else did you go? Just yell it out. Denver. Jamaica. Kansas. Where else? Any other place? The Caribbean. Woohoo! Spring Lake. Yes. Muskegon. Has anybody taken a guilt trip lately? Perhaps more than once, right? Well, this morning, I want on Easter Sunday to talk about guilt. And I want you to know that God did not create you to live with guilt. It is not true that you are more spiritual if you live with a measure of guilt in your life. Now, there are some people that will say that is the case. Some will say, well, if you are going to live a life of holiness, there's a measure of guilt that you'll always carry because it keeps you in line or in check with who God is and that you never measure up. But I'll tell you this, our bodies were designed and created and intended to live guilt-free. And I believe that with all my heart. And I want to talk about this this morning. See, guilt can mess up your body. It can mess up your mind. It can mess up your relationships. Guilt creates fear many times. The fear that you might be found out about that secret sin or something that you've done. Or the fear of rejection. If, oh, if so-and-so knew about my past or if they knew what I was all about, whatever, you fill in the blank. There's also a fear of retaliation many times, or a fear of getting in trouble, or certainly the fear of judgment from God. Guilt can eat away at us. You know, I was, as I was studying, how many of you have ever uh, watched any Sherlock Holmes uh, movies or videos or read any of the books? Well, the guy that wrote Sherlock Holmes, a mastermind, very creative guy, his name was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and he was a prankster. And listen to this. When he was living, just as a joke, he wrote 50 prominent Englishmen in Great Britain, all the same note, sealed it, stamped it, delivered it on the same day, and it, all it said on the note was, all is found out, flee at once. <laughs> and as the story goes, within 48 hours, 25 of those Englishmen fled the country. Talk about living with guilt. 
We all do at a measure. We all carry a little guilt at times. But the good news is that God wants you to let go of your guilt. He wants you to dump it. You've got to let it go. And today, because of Easter and because of the power of the resurrection and what Easter means to us as believers, all of us can leave here guilt-free. Amen? Amen. Well, today I'm starting a new series that we are calling When Love Speaks. We're going to look at seven words that Christ spoke from the cross. And we're going to each week kind of unpack these things. Uh, We're going to look at a word of trust, a word of victory, a word of humanity, a word of substitution, a word of love, a word of assurance. But today, we're going to focus on the first word that Jesus spoke once he was nailed to the cross. And that is a word of forgiveness. And because of that word of forgiveness, and we'll look at it here in a moment, we can, as we experience that word of forgiveness, we can live guilt-free. And so just to let you know where we're headed this morning, and so everyone can be prepared, no surprises, we're going to look at three ways that we, as people, deal with guilt. Then we're going to ask the question, or we're going to see how does Jesus want us to deal with guilt so that we can be guilt-free. And then we're going to look at this idea that what does Jesus do with our guilt? What does he do with our guilt? And so I, I hope that you're ready and you're buckle up and, uh, and uh, just uh, as you pay attention, as you, as you uh, are listening, as you're looking at scripture, let God just penetrate your heart. And uh, our prayer, and we have been praying, let me tell you, for each of the seats that you're in, we've been praying that God will break through. He will touch your heart today as, uh, as, we, as we move through the service. And how many have already enjoyed what God is doing? Amen? Amen. Well, let's look at some ways that we deal with guilt as people. The first way is that we try many times to bury our guilt. Or as many times, we will try to bury our past. And just turn with me to Psalm chapter 32. And while you turn there, let me just, you know, a disclaimer here. (laughs) It doesn't work to bury your guilt. It doesn't work that well because it keeps on resurrecting. It keeps on reappearing, coming back to life, and it won't stay buried. But listen to what Psalm 32 says. It says, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. Thank the Lord, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin does not, is not counted against him and whose spirit is, is no, there's no deceit. But listen to what verse 3, 4, and 5 say. It says, For I, or when I kept silent, when I kept my sin, my guilt buried, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as the heat of the sun. And then I acknowledge my sin to you. I revealed my sin. I didn't keep it buried anymore and did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And listen to what it says. And it says, and you, God, forgave my guilt of my sin. Sometimes we try to bury our guilt. Some of our favorite ways to bury our guilt is by minimizing things, saying, ah, it's not that big of a deal, or it wasn't that important what happened in the past. Well, I'd ask you, if it wasn't that important, why do you still remember what happened, right? You can't forget. You can't get it off your mind. Why did I do that? The regret, I'm ashamed. Whatever the case might be, minimizing does not remove our guilt. 
And another way that we try to bury our guilt is by rationalizing. We say, well, everyone's doing it. Everyone's going this way, and it's not that big a deal, or everyone is going to do it. And again, it, it doesn't help to say, it doesn't really matter what anyone else is doing. It matters what is inside your heart. Another way we try to bury our guilt is by compromising. We push to the limit our sin. And maybe one time uh, a certain sin or a certain uh, behavior would have been off limits or you know, totally taboo in my life. But because of compromise, now we've slipped over the edge and now we're participating, we're acting in ways that are inconsistent to God's word and to what we know is true. One of the ways that happens many times uh, for us in our culture is with media. And I know that I'm uh, guilty of this, and I know that, that many, we say, oh, well, we'll just watch this movie, and then we'll watch the next, and, or whatever the case, or listen to this music or that, and all of a sudden, we start to compromise. Proverbs 28, 13, let's look at what that says together. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, he who conceals his sins he who buries his sins, in other words, will not prosper. There is no success if you bury your guilt. And the reason is because every seed that you, of guilt that you plant, every seed that you water, uh, of guilt that you water, it will sprout back up. Whether that's a seed of selfishness or anger or envy, it will come back to you. And you know what's interesting? When we cover our guilt, when we live that way, how much emotional energy do we expend making sure that no one will find out that things are buried, things are covered? And you know what God would say this morning? Don't bury your guilt. The second way that we uh, uh, deal with guilt is that we blame others. We try to blame others for our guilt started right in the very beginning of time, Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve, they, they sinned, and, and God is looking for Adam and Eve in the garden, and, and he's going around and saying, Adam, where are you? And he finds them, not that he knew, didn't know where he was, but he finds them, and God says, why were you hiding? And what does Adam do? Who does he blame? He blames Eve, but he says, this woman you gave me, He's not even blaming Eve so much. He's blaming God. He's blaming God. And I would ask this morning, who are you blaming? Are you blaming your parents or your boss or your employer? Are you blaming your husband or your brother or sister or your boyfriend? Who are you blaming for your sin? Who are you blaming for your guilt? And you know what happens so many times? I know it's happened to me, is we start to accuse others, right? We make accusations so we can excuse ourselves. We'll say things like, I'm the victim. I'm the one that was at harm. Or it's the government's fault, and we blame someone else. Maybe it's the terrorists. It's that earthquake in, in Japan. It's, that, it's their fault. And you say, why do we blame? We blame because of our guilt. Proverbs 19, verse 3, in the message says this, people, some people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions. All that can relate to that, stand up, please. No, just kidding. Listen, it says some people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions, and we all have the ability to mess things up. But then it says, and then 
They blame God. And what a tragedy. We, for our bankruptcy or the fact that we don't have a job or that our kids are out of control, we blame, we blame, we, and we hold this guilt, and God does not want us to live, and he doesn't want us to blame. He doesn't want us to bury our sin. And the third way that we deal with, with guilt many times is that we beat ourselves up. We beat ourselves up. We self-administer punishment to ourselves. We deny ourselves things. We, we uh, maybe, maybe physically even harm ourselves at times, trying to atone for our sin. You try to make yourself feel bad because of the guilt that you're carrying. And you know what's interesting is I study this and I study the idea of guilt in our society there are many people that are sick. In fact, one doctor estimated that 50% of the people in the hospital today could get up and walk and go home if they could get rid of the guilt that they're carrying. It will eat you alive. Stomach problems, heart problems, emotional problems, and it can even cause depression. Turn with me to, to Psalm chapter 38. Look what Psalm 38 verses 4, 5, and 6 says. This is David talking. He says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and, lo and are lonesome, loathsome, not lonesome, because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low all day long. I go about mourning. David was experiencing some depression there because of the guilt that he was carrying. And let me just say this, that guilt can sabotage your success. You could be the most talented, the, most, the brightest, the most intelligent, but if you carry guilt on a regular basis, it'll sabotage, it'll destroy your life. And the problem with guilt and the problem that with beating ourselves up we may feel better for a moment saying, ah, I'm going to make myself feel bad or whatever the case might be, but our conscience will not stop. It keeps on punishing us. And it can punish us for days. It can punish us for weeks or months, years, decades. And what can happen is that we will have a season of our life behind us that we have missed because of the guilt that we are carrying. And God would say this morning, stop beating yourself up. See, the ways that we deal with guilt, they are all self-destructive. They are self-defeating. But the great news is because of Easter, because of Christ's words, his first word, which we'll see here in a moment, on the cross, we can be guilt-free. And that first word on the cross that he spoke was a word of forgiveness. Turn with me to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, as we look at the Easter story, at the idea that Jesus uh, was, was led to a cross, and there's a lot that goes into this story. And if you've seen The Passion of the Christ or another rendition of the, uh, the story of Christ, you have seen that the day before, starting the night before, that Jesus was arrested. Before he was nailed to the cross, he was arrested. He had been up all night long. He had gone through six trials. Three of those were Roman trials. Three were religious. None of them were legal, by the way, because they were held at night. He had been beaten and battered. 
Jesus had been. He'd been scourged. He had had a, a thorn of crowns placed on his head. And blood was, was, uh, was dripping and was shed all over the ground. He was spit on. He was made fun of. He had to carry his cross most of the way to Golgotha, the place of the skull. And we pick up the story in Luke chapter 23. Luke 23, starting in verse 27, says a large number of people followed him, including women who were mourning and wailing for him. It's interesting. On his way, Jesus turned and said to them, to these ladies, he says, look, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. He says, weep for yourselves. Verse 32 says two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place of the skull, they were crucified. That's where they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right side, the other on his left. And listen to the first words out of Jesus' mouth. He said, Jesus, this says here, verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. You may want to highlight that in your Bible. That's a powerful statement. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And it goes on, it says, they divided up his clothes and they casted lots. They, the people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. But what's interesting is that the last thing on Jesus' mind at that moment was saving himself. His, what was on his mind was you. He was there. He endured all that for you and for me. Jesus came to save us. And when love spoke, when Jesus spoke, he said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Let that sink in. Forgive them. So what does Jesus want me to do with my guilt and with my sin? We know that burying it or blaming others, beating ourselves up doesn't work. What we must do is the first thing we need to admit our guilt. We don't bury, we don't deny, we don't ignore we don't just work harder to, uh, to try to make up for our faults. We don't stay busy. We, don't, we certainly don't move away from a situation and say, well, if I, if I was living in Spring Lake and I, and I got in trouble there, I'll go move into Detroit because I get a fresh start. No, these things aren't the answer. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, interesting verse. It says, if we claim to be without sin... It says that we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10 says, if we claim to have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. And so this morning, I don't care who you are, no matter what your past is like, we are sinners. We've all made mistakes. And so we're in good company this morning. We are all sinners we are all, without Jesus, lost. And so the idea that we would not be able to admit our guilt, 
is silly. We must admit our guilt. We need to speak the truth. We need to take a personal inventory and take an honest look at our spiritual condition. Maybe a little spiritual spring cleaning, so to speak, to tell the truth, to tell yourself the truth. Maybe you pray a little prayer like this if you're considering taking a spiritual inventory. Say, God, help bring to my mind everything I feel guilty about, whether it's conscious or unconscious. What's wrong? Where have I blown it? Where have I sinned? And where am I holding on to the guilt? And I would encourage you to be specific about it. Be specific. Don't say, well, God, you know, you know my past. You know everything, Lord. Just forgive the last 30 years of my life. <laughs> Be specific and let God and make sure that you are willing to admit your guilt and your sin. The second thing you have to do is you must accept responsibility. Accept responsibility for the junk in your life. You don't rationalize, saying, oh, it was a long time ago. Or you don't blame, saying, well, it was mostly their fault. And you don't minimize, saying, you know, making up all kinds of excuses. When we look at David's life, when he got busted, when he was in a spot where Nathan, the, the, um, the prophet, came and said, you're the one, you slept with Bathsheba, you killed uh, the man, right? You know the story. You know what David didn't do? He didn't blame. He admitted. He accepted responsibility. Psalm 51, verse 3, it says, I know my faults and I am conscious of my sin. I accept responsibility. David speaking there. So what is the best way to know if you're acting responsible or if you're, you're accepting responsibility for the stuff in your life? I want to say this, and I want to say this clear. And this is a powerful truth. The way we know that we're dealing with the guilt in our lives, we know, and we're going to talk about forgiveness here in a second, we know that when we ask for forgiveness, that God forgives us. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But to feel forgiven, to walk feeling forgiven, you need to share your guilt, your sin, with one other person. And listen, when you confess your sin one to another, there's healing. James chapter 5, verse 16 talks about. It comes with relationship. The best way to get over feeling guilty is to tell someone what you've done. Yeah, Jesus forgives you, and you don't have to tell anyone. We understand that. But to walk in guilt-free living Tell someone, because the, the root of every problem with guilt is always, there's always a relational peace. And so as we share that with someone, someone that cares about you, you don't just, you know, air your dirty laundry to everyone, but find someone that loves you unconditionally. And if you need someone like that, I can be that person. Listen, as you share that, as you share the things that you've held on for years, there is a freedom that comes with that. Now listen, at our men's retreat last fall, we talked about this very thing. And guys, many of you were there. We talked about the wounds that we try to hide, the, the wounds that we try to, 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 to hold. 
Because we have scars underneath the areas that we hide, don't we? In ladies, you have scars. In whether you're young, a young person or the oldest here today, there are things in our lives that we would love to cover. But as we put some light on those things, as we share those things, that is when the healing begins. We can walk guilt-free when we accept responsibility. The third way we talked about admitting our guilt, accepting responsibility for our guilt. What does Jesus want me to do with my guilt? The third thing, I must ask for forgiveness. If you know 1 John 1, 9, say it with me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And the great thing about Jesus is that he is not waiting for you to ask for forgiveness and then to rub it in and to make a, make a spectacle of you. He won't rub in your sins. He's going to wipe them out. Jesus is waiting, and he wants you. And he's, he, we have to ask for forgiveness for the guilt, for the sin that's in our lives. Now, there's some wrong ways to ask for forgiveness. We don't want you to beg, oh God, please, please, please. God wants to forgive. He's waiting for it. He's ready. It's a free gift. We do not have to beg for our forgiveness. We don't have to bargain for our forgiveness. God, if you forgive me, I will never do it again. Yeah, right. We all have our sins that, that catch us, right? And the chances of us living completely sinless are slim to none. But listen, we can live guilt-free because those sins are covered. So we don't have to bargain. We don't have, to, uh, we don't have to beg, and we certainly don't have to bribe God. God, if you forgive me, I will go to church every week. I will read my Bible, and I will pray every day. Or I will give, or I'll go to Africa, God, if you could just get this guilt off my shoulder. Listen, you can't bribe you can't beg. You can't bargain. All you can do is ask, is ask and receive. That's it. Receive. I know what some of you are thinking. You're saying, Pastor, you have no idea what I've done. You have no idea what I've done. And you're right. And you know what? I don't need to know. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. Your forgiveness is not based on how much or how little you have sinned. What matters is what Christ has done for you. That is what the cross is about. That is why there's a spirit of joy and celebration this morning because of what Christ has done for you. When love spoke, he said, forgive them. He paid for our guilt. He paid for our shame. And by, just by the way, guilt is the things that we've done, right? Uh, that, that we, the specifics. The shame is feeling like not only did I do something bad, but I am bad. Is that, is that a fair, uh, Matt? And our guilt and shame can be covered by Christ. No matter what you've done, listen, you can be completely forgiven today. 
and you can feel completely forgiven today. A very close friend of mine, I asked him to share his story with us this morning. And he's not able to be here. In fact, he wanted to remain anonymous. But uh, he put something together for us to give you a little sense of the guilt that he had experienced in his life. And now on the backside, four years later from an event you'll hear about, how he's living in freedom. I want you to listen to my friend's story. In 2006, I was living with more guilt than I could stand. My wife approached me one day and she asked me point blank, have you been cheating on me? In that moment, I was finally going to be free from the darkness of my sin and the hiding and the lies. Don't get me wrong, the days that were yet to come were going to be very dark days, especially for my wife and those that I loved and those that loved me and those that were around me. But in that moment, I felt like light was finally breaking in. See, that guilt and that shame was so hidden and so eating at me that even at 26 years old, I was already seeing a doctor for stress-induced ulcers. Guilt is an interesting thing, isn't it? How it can even affect you physically. I mean, who was I going to blame? Myself, only. I'm the one that got into this mess. I just didn't know how to get out of it. So I continued to lie and I continued to hide and I continued to betray the the woman that I had married four years before. I had no idea the hurt that I was going to cause. I had no idea the shame or the reproach I was going to bring on myself. See, even when it comes out and even when, when those things were all brought to light and I had to share the, the story of what had happened with us and why our lives were completely turned upside down and had to call a lot of people to explain the situation. See, even in that, there remains a lot of guilt. We serve a big God and he can forgive and he can cast that sin far as the east is from the west, of course, and we know we've heard it, but it doesn't mean it's any easier to forgive yourself. I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to do that, much less if my wife was ever going to be able to forgive me. We were told at one point, and I don't remember where in the healing process or in recovery or counseling or what it was, but I remember being told at some point that if we serve a God that's big enough to forgive us, then who am I not to forgive myself? Am I better and or bigger than God? I just had to give in to the fact that if God had let it go and wiped my slate completely clean, then I was going to have to get past it too. It doesn't mean that there was going to not be a lot of work to be done and it didn't mean the road to recovery wasn't going to be really long if our marriage even ever recovered from it. But I knew if God could forgive, then I was going to have to get over it myself. The question was, would my wife ever forgive me? Months had gone by. I'd been apologizing multiple times a day, and 
I couldn't even tell you how many times I had apologized for specific things, for specific lies, for specific moments of betrayal. The story ends with our marriage restored, and we serve a very big God, and I married a very godly woman who chose to give the marriage a shot at first just because we had a child and she wanted to try to make it work, but if it wasn't for that, she would have left me that day. But regardless of that, forgiveness came, but she would tell you that at first it came because of a choice, and in and, and, and our human flesh, she would say that she had to choose to say the words, I forgive you, before she ever felt like forgiving me. That was a huge step in the road to our healing and to our recovery, and it was a very emotional night for us. And and I can remember that night as we were sitting on the bed together talking and crying as we had done a lot together. With God, though, the forgiveness is instant, and He doesn't hold on to it. And with God, I don't have to apologize over and over again, and I can live and experience His freedom. I don't know what kind of guilt you may be holding on to this morning, but you can walk away guilt-free. I am thankful for my friend's story. And my wife and I, not too long ago, have had a chance to spend some time with this couple. And they are living in freedom, living whole, and living in forgiveness. And it is a powerful, powerful testimony. As I was thinking about my friend's story, I was reflecting on Romans chapter 8. I want you to turn there with me because it's a powerful, powerful truth that we need to get a a hold of in our lives this morning. Romans 8, 1 says this. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How does that relate to your story? How does that relate to my friend's story? How does that relate to my story? What does Jesus do with our guilt? When we admit our guilt, when we accept responsibility, when we ask for forgiveness, the first thing that Jesus does is he forgives us instantly. Isaiah 55, 7 says that God is merciful and he's quick to forgive. He's quick to forgive. How long should a Christian be guilty? I was thinking about that. I don't know, maybe 10 seconds? Enough to realize what we've done and enough time to say, God, I admit it, I'm accepting responsibility, and I'm sorry, forgive me. About 10 seconds. God, in his grace and his mercy, forgives us instantly. The second thing that he does with our sin and with our guilt is he forgives us completely. Colossians chapter 2, turn with me there. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. It says this, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations and against us and stood 
opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Thank the Lord. Jesus has paid for your sin and for every sin that you'll ever commit. And you know what I was thinking about? There are people in our lives that we know that are heaped in sin, that are not serving God. And you may be one of those this morning. And that's okay. You're in a great place. We love you. You don't have to have your life all put together before you come back to Christ. But there are people that are heaped in their sins and will die and spend an eternity separate from God. And you know what? Their sins were still forgiven. They just didn't receive. Let that sink in. And let that challenge us. Let it challenge me. Our responsibility is to tell them, all you got to do is receive. All you got to do is ask. And he forgives instantly. He forgives completely. They're all wiped out. Your sins are annulled as if they never happened. There is no evidence. And you know what's great about God? He never punishes his children. If, he, if we needed to be punished for our sin, then he wouldn't have had to been punished on the cross. Now he corrects us. He disciplines us. He trains us as he looks forward but you do not get punished. You don't get what you deserve. We deserve death, all of us, no matter how big or how small the sin is. And we get to walk free because of what Christ did. Never, ever forget the cross. And in a moment here, we're going to remember, we're going to take some time to remember the cross through water baptism and through Holy Communion. The third thing that Jesus does with our sin, he forgives us repeatedly. How many of us have our favorite sins? We keep going back to them, whether it's anger or exaggerating, lust or other things. Have you ever felt embarrassed coming back to God saying, God, I'm here again, please forgive me? God says, anything new in your life? No, same sin same problem. I know I've struggled with that at times. God, I'm here. And the good news is that God is eternally forgiving over and over and over. Hebrews 7, chapter 20, or chapter 7, 25 says this, that Christ is always interceding on our behalf. And so what that looks like for you and for me He's in heaven, seated at the right hand, and he's saying, God, Father, forgive them. Forgive him. Forgive her. Father, forgive them. Forgive her for eternity. He's eternally forgiving. He forgives repeatedly. And how many would say, thank the Lord for that? The last thing he does is he forgives. Yeah, he forgives freely. It doesn't cost a thing. There's no catch. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't bargain for it. It's a gift of grace given to you, given to me. And so this morning, I would say, what is the sin that you've been holding on to? Have you found yourself here heaped in your sin? What sin keeps hounding you? 
What habitual sin is in your life that you haven't been free from and you're carrying a load of guilt with it? Because there's good news. You can be guilt-free today, today. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, if you read it, it says this. It says, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption. How? Through his blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance to the riches of God's grace. It's because of his sacrifice, because of what Christ did on the cross for us, that we can be free you go back to where we started, Psalm 32. Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. David is saying, blessed is, the, is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and whose sin is, or in whose spirit is no deceit. Listen, Jesus wants to forgive you. His forgiveness is free. It's repeated over and over. It's complete. It's instant. And it's available this morning. And I want you, every single one of you, to live guilt-free, experiencing the power of the resurrection. And we must say that on Easter, yeah, Christ spoke that word from the cross, forgive them. But that word, those words would have meant nothing if he didn't raise, wasn't raised from the grave three days later. You understand that? It's because of the power of the resurrection that gave validity to the fact that what we're talking about this morning is absolutely true. You can take it to the bank. You do not have to walk out of these doors today carrying sin or carrying guilt. You are forgiven when you ask, when you Accept responsibility and you say, God, I'm so, I admit it. This morning, I want to give you that opportunity. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I don't know many of you here this morning. We have several guests in the room. You could have been here every day that the church was open, and I know you very well, but there may be things in your life that you are carrying, guilt that no one knows. If you are here this morning, and there's a measure of guilt, there's a measure of sin that you have not asked for forgiveness, I just want you to slip up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out, but who is here this morning that would be honest enough, yeah, to say, there is sin in my life. There's things that are unpleasing. Yeah, there's hands going up all over the room. Listen, you can put your hands down. This morning, there's forgiveness for sin because of Easter. I want everyone here this morning to pray a prayer with me and especially those that raised your hand. It's not the words that I say. It's, it's believing what you are about to repeat that saves you. It's believing in your heart, asking God to forgive, and he will do it. This morning, I want you to repeat after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me for all my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And set me free from guilt and shame. I don't want to carry it anymore. I want to be free by the power of your resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Now listen, this morning, if you accepted responsibility, if you admitted your sin and you asked for forgiveness in that moment, the Bible says you are free and you are free indeed. It's incredible. And you know what the Bible says for us to do about that? He says for us to celebrate. The angels in heaven celebrate. But he also says that we are to remember. Remember. And this morning, as the worship team comes back, we're going to take an opportunity to remember this sacrifice through a time of communion. If you are a believer, if you have asked Jesus in your heart, you are eligible to receive the elements, the blood that was shed for you, the body that was broken for you. And as we worship this morning, we're, and the ushers will be uh, handing out these elements in a few moments. We'll hold those till we get together. And then we're going to celebrate together, remembering Christ's sacrifice. Amen? But then we're going to take it another step further. And I want to challenge every single one of you that is here today. That today, there is a symbol in our tradition that we believe is straight from Scripture. Jesus ordained it. Jesus did it. And he encouraged us to do it. That once you are saved, what's the first step of obedience? Water baptism. And this morning, we've got a water baptism tank that's full, it's warm, and it's ready for you to take that first step of faith. And so this morning, as we receive the elements, and worship team, please uh, begin, and ushers, we can start to pass out these elements. That'll be wonderful. I want you to consider this morning, would you be willing to be water baptized? Now listen, thank you, and I'll get that in a second. You can start to pass these around. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking it's Easter. I didn't, I'm not getting baptized in these clothes. We made provision for you today, and I'm not kidding. John... And Virginia Taylor, just stand up here for a second. After we receive communion, they have got clothes enough for every single one of you. Not quite. And towels to dry off. And if you are here this morning and you need to follow the Lord, not only because you just gave your heart to the Lord, but you're saying, I want to follow Christ and I want to this, the symbol of baptism is a, a death and a resurrection. We bury our sins and then we are raised back to life. A new life. We're born again. And our prayer is that many of you will respond. We'll come back and we'll talk about that. Let's worship the Lord and let's hold on. We'll, we'll receive these elements together. Melissa, take it over.
chapter 11, verse 23. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We have a lot to be thankful for this morning. And as we reflect on the Easter story, I want us to consider holding these elements in our hand, the body of Christ that was broken for us. The blood of Jesus represented in these elements. And I want us to individually take a moment of silence to just say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for these. And then we'll partake together. Let's do that together. Thank you, Jesus. sacrifice, God. Thank you, Lord, for your body that was broken, for the blood that was shed for me. Now together, let's partake of the body together. And then carefully open up this juice. And let's receive the juice that's representative of the blood of Jesus together. Let's do that together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, John of Virginia, I'm going to ask that you join me up here in the front. Oh, I, she was already going. <laughs> okay. All right, go get, go get the stuff. That's good. Seriously, we are ready for the youngest here, to the oldest, to the biggest, to the smallest. We've got shorts and t black T-shirts. We have towels. We want to give you an opportunity to follow the Lord in obedience. I know what some of you are saying. This is crazy. I wasn't planning on getting baptized today. But could you imagine how you would remember this Easter? Following the Lord? Being faithful to what he said to do? To be saved and to be baptized? 
I mentioned it just a second ago. Water baptism is a symbol of what's already happened inside of you. When you accepted Jesus, when you prayed a prayer of faith, saying, God, forgive me, cleanse me of all unrighteousness, your sins are forgiven. They're buried with, the, with Jesus. And then Jesus, he rose from the grave. We celebrate that on Easter. And when you come up out of the water, after we bury you under that water, we'll hold you down for only as long as it needs. We take you down. We bring you up. I promise no one's going to drown. And we celebrate a new life, a resurrection that we experience. It's powerful. There's not a better symbol. That's why we call them ordinances, because we... That Jesus ordained them. And we need to do these things. And so if you are here, your family's already here. We have clothes and preparation for every single one that would follow the Lord in obedience. It'll take a couple minutes and we'll, we'll baptize. We'll be done before noon so no one's pot roast is going to get burned. And by the way, the service isn't over yet, all right? But we want to give you an opportunity to follow the Lord. Some of you have passed up opportunities all your life to be baptized. And you need to be baptized this morning to follow the Lord in obedience. Others of you are saying, man, I've never considered it. Students that are here, I want, to, I want you to talk to your parents here in these next few moments. Would you consider being water baptized? The young, the old, the big, the small, the tall, large, we got all the sizes. Would you follow the Lord? Be obedient? If you gave your heart to the Lord this morning, what better way to celebrate is to follow in the next step to be baptized? Students, you're here with a friend. I want to challenge you. This is your opportunity. Don't pass this opportunity up to be baptized. Amen? Amen. This is weird. I'm not sure what to do. Do I just have them stand or have them come on up? If you're interested in being baptized today, I want you just to come and just join us right up here and this morning. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Who else? Yeah. Good. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. We had a couple that we're already planning, yeah? Who else? Yeah. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Amen. 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 Anyone else? Anyone else? Don't miss this opportunity. We're going to celebrate with these. This is awesome. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Who else? All right. Melissa, you lead. We're going to take a few minutes to change. Guys, guys, girls, and then we will be here. Please don't leave. Let's celebrate together the next few minutes. Let's go. Amen. Oh, sin, placed on him.
exciting. When anyone follows the Lord in water baptism, it is exciting. Josh, why don't you share this morning why you want to be baptized? Well, as I was reading in the Word and just going through the Gospels and seeing everything that happens, it just seems so evident, just a, a tugging on the heart that I needed to be baptized, and I just wanted to follow God and His example, and and just Christ was baptized, even though He lived a, a sinless life, He was still baptized with the Spirit, and I'm far from sinless, and I need Him, and if Christ needed to be baptized, I felt like I needed to be baptized, and I needed to follow suit, and I'm just so excited to just to die to my old ways. And, and to just live because that is the promise that is the promise if we follow Christ if we follow Christ and die the way that he died and are buried and risen again we will rise again and live a new life the same as he lived and I praise God and I'm just excited to, to follow Josh you rededicated your life maybe three four months ago to the Lord yeah last uh, last November I, I came to the realization of the sin that I was living in and just uh, how far away from God that I was and the guilt the guilt like Psalm 32 said was just destroying my body I, I felt it in my bones everything was weighing down on me so much I just needed to give it up to God and it's been neat to watch Josh continue to grow and I'm proud of you I know your family's here. And uh, Josh, is it your intentions to serve the Lord all the days of your life? All the days of my life. Well, then upon that confession of faith, I have the privilege this morning to now baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, story. Um, God is really just in the last couple months, really a month and a half, uh, turned his life to the Lord. Uh, why don't you share what God's doing in your life? Um, he's pretty converted. He's just converted everything in my life to a positive change. To realize that all the things that didn't, there's a lot of bad things in the earth and I needed to be around people that believe in the same way I did and I didn't realize that I needed God and church to do that. And he's changed my music, he's changed everything about me, he's helped me, he's everything. I can't even hardly, I'm speechless sometimes when I think about it, because I'm so filled with the Holy Spirit lately, I can't even sleep at night. So this is a confession to me, this is for him, and from now on, it's for me, and him. So. Is it your intentions to serve the Lord all the days of your life? Yes. Well, then upon that confession of faith this morning, and I'll baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Woo! Hallelujah! All my beach towels getting used this morning. I love it. All right, come on in. This is Daniel. 
one of Jonathan's friends. Why don't you share what the Lord means to you and why you're wanting to be baptized today? Well, I just need to give uh, authority over to God and everything, you know, give up the guilt and shame and need it. <laughs> yes. Amen. You've come back to the Lord recently as well, kind of surrendering your life to Jesus. Daniel, is it your intention to serve God all the days of your life? Yes. Never turn away? Yes. Amen. Well, upon that confession of faith, I have the privilege this morning to now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, I gave myself to the Lord, but um, I feel that the, the message this morning truly spoke to me that I have been holding on to a lot of guilt. And for me to truly serve the Lord, I, I have to let go. And I have to I have to wash that from my heart. I have to move on and be able to focus myself on, on the words, words, Lord, uh, the Lord of the Word. That is, I'm so flustered right now. It's just, um, so I just want to wash that off me and able to move on and stay focused just constantly looking back at that guilt just distracts me sure can we pray for my friend sean just stretch your hand toward him lord this is a long time coming for sean he's given his heart to you but he's carried some of this guilt and the shame and lord we just as he stands before us today we'll be baptized here momentarily lord i pray that you will seal what you are doing in his life, that he will leave here guilt-free, free from sin, free from the guilt and shame, Lord, that, uh, that has held him back. And Lord, I just pray that his best days will be ahead. We ask this all in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Sean, this morning, as a public confession, is it your desire to serve the Lord all the days of your life? All the days of my life. Well, then upon that confession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. My name is Sandra Muller. I'm originally uh, of 1954, original polio victim. Um, I've been ashamed of this body most of my life. And the last few days, I've read the Bible about shame. I didn't think I could get up, come up here and stand in front of you all. But here I am, thanks to the strength of him. I was baptized as a baby. I'm going to do it again. Amen. Amen. Baptized as a baby, but wanting to do it again. You're sure. right. 
<laughs> and Sandra, is it your intention to serve the Lord all the days of your life? I have and still do and always will. And uh, to live guilt-free, shame-free, guilt -free. praise shame the Lord. Amen. 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 And upon your confession of faith, it is my privilege to now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. comfortable, I just want you to lift your hands to the Lord. And let's just thank him for his grace, for his mercy, for his forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. You're amazing, Lord. You're awesome, God. We love you, Lord. We worship you this Easter. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross. Thank you that you rose from the grave, and that you are seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for us over and over. God, thank you for your forgiveness. And Lord, I pray that we would receive your forgiveness today. That not one would leave here holding on to a bit of sin, to a bit of guilt or shame. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you're dismissed this morning, I want to just challenge you as we consider these seven words from the cross over the next few weeks, don't miss a service. Come and experience what God is doing. And let God continue to transform your life. We'll be back next week. The week after that's Mother's Day. Invite your mom to church day. It'll be great. But we just want to love you and say go in the grace of God. Enjoy your family and experience the power of the resurrection today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go in the grace of God. God bless.